Welcome to Double Truck Stories, the home to some of the best features, investigations, and character portraits from across ESPN. I'm Mike Philbrick, your host for the Double Truck Stories podcast. Remember to subscribe to Double Truck Stories podcast on the ESPN app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Every week, Patrick Mahomes seems to make at least one throw that doesn't seem possible. And through it all, the one person that he doesn't seem to be impressing is himself. Why should it? Ever since he was a kid, he was a highlight reel waiting to happen. But now, as the bright lights of the NFL playoffs loom in his future, we're all about to get the answer to one question. Is there anything he can't do? Stick around after the story for my conversation with ESPN senior writer Seth Wickersham as we talk about how sometimes the fastest path to becoming a legend is never even thinking that you are one to begin with. Now we present The Radical Confidence of Patrick Mahomes by Seth Wickersham. I went to the bottom of the Internet trying to understand what it's like to have an arm like Patrick Mahomes's. I found a throw so rare that it technically doesn't exist, erased on account of a holding penalty. November 2014. Mahomes is a 19-year-old true freshman at Texas Tech facing Oklahoma and only his second start. It's third and 10 at the Sooners' 39-yard line. He's been coached to look at a pair of receivers in sequence and, if they're both covered, make a play. One, two, go. He takes the snap and is under immediate pressure. One, go, and he scampers left, not fast, but elusive, away from the rush, but into a trap. He's within a yard of the sideline, and all four Sooners defensive linemen are closing fast until, with his weight moving left and a rusher's helmet at his chin, Mahomes snaps his arm. In that instant, it's his only body part in motion, as if isolated for maximum effect. And the ball assumes a trajectory that seems impossible without more of a wind-up. The physical expression of a metaphysical quality. A radical confidence known only by a blessed few. The ball hisses. It spirals fast and tight. It seems to alter the physics and change the possibilities of a football field, hovering low as it sails across and deep until it sticks to a receiver's chest in the end zone as Mahomes hits the ground. I watched that throw 20 times. I saw improvisatory football genius and sheer stones. I saw a man making calculations and assessing risks I couldn't compute. I watched the throw until I was certain of what I was looking at. And then I sat down with him and raved about passes like it. And he took the compliments with a dull stare, as if none of what I attributed to it ever occurred to him. It was just a throw. A throw he always makes, and has made since he first held a ball. In any given generation, there are only a handful of truly transcendent arms. These guys are born, not made. If you don't have it, you still can be a good NFL quarterback, if not paid like a great one. If you have it and waste it, you'll be a 30 for 30. But if you have it and don't waste it and combine it with an academic All-American's mind and a craftsman work ethic, well, that's what I want to explore with Mahomes. On an October afternoon in an office at the Chiefs facility, Mahomes doesn't look like he wants to be explored. He looks explored out. Polite, but also maybe existentially exhausted from having his life change forever this season. He is 23 years old, without even 16 games under his belt, 
and he has a game-worn jersey in the Hall of Fame and leads the league through Week 9 in touchdowns and yards and is second in passer rating. It's been a year. Most impressively, he has normalized the impossible, making throws each week that defy reason and kinesiology. The other day, in Mahomes' apartment in the Country Club Plaza neighborhood of Kansas City, his grandfather asked him, What's it like to be famous? For one thing, it means he eats less ketchup. He spent most of his life putting ketchup on everything. He would get bottles of it for his birthday. But now that everyone is watching every move he makes, he is sheepish about ordering ketchup. At a restaurant recently, his mom, Randy, recognized an unfilled desire as he dove into a steak. Just ask for it, Randy said. I know you want it. Patrick wouldn't. So she asked for the ketchup and slipped it to him. But the intersection of fame and ketchup is a story for another time. We're here to talk about his arm. So I ask him a question I know better than to ask an obsessive technician like Tom Brady, for example. Have you ever had to think about throwing? Mahomes normally talks fast and sounds rehearsed, praising his coaches and teammates. But he pauses now as if this is the first time he's thought about thinking about how much he thinks about his gifts, and says, Not a lot. I'm standing with John Elway as we watch Mahomes warm up at Arrowhead Stadium before the Chiefs play the Broncos in late October. Mahomes rolls left and throws deep right, then rolls right and throws deep left. He tosses it 60 yards without a strain or grunt. He looks like he's goofing around, even checks his phone between reps. But this is actual practice. In games, he makes those throws. A few Broncos coaches watch Mahomes, seduced by the spectacle of it all. He has skills at his command that are the envy of anyone who's ever played quarterback. And if you've ever thrown a ball well enough to have an idea of how hard it is to do what he does... It's even more fascinating and thrilling and full of lovely subtleties, like the angle at which the nose rises and falls, how the ball seems to gain speed with distance rather than lose it, violent yet catchable. These passes change more than a game's momentum. They suspend time, forcing you to look up from your phone and making you wonder what it feels like to unleash such force. Elway knows. I ask Elway, when your arm was its strongest, what was it like to throw? I don't know, he says. He chews on it for a second and gives me a football version of the I could always just play scene in Goodwill Hunting. You just feel like you can do anything. To succeed in the NFL, most players have to come to terms with their limits. You learn to work within and against them. But if you are born with an arm like Mahomes's or Elway's, it allows you the blessing of never having to reconsider yourself, unless, of course, a few painful postseason losses force you to reconsider everything. Mahomes might not think a lot about his own throwing, but many close to him have spent a lot of time thinking of ways to get him to slow down. His father, Pat, was a pitcher for 11 years in the majors, and the family often lived in apartments and hotel rooms in cities where he played. As a toddler, Patrick would go to the ballpark with his dad for batting practice and then come home, watch the game on TV, and throw during commercial breaks. It was fun and exhausting. 
Randy would toss a ball into a corner or down the hall, hoping to buy herself a few moments of peace. I thought, I can read one more paragraph of this book until he gets the ball, she says. When Randy and Pat signed Patrick up for T-ball in their hometown of Tyler, Texas, the four-year-old was so far advanced, he was traded for two players, Texas sports, man, and moved up to play coach pitch with older kids. At the first practice, he scooped a ground ball at shortstop and fired to first, hitting the first baseman between the eyes and shattering his glasses. (laughs) I thought everybody could catch, Mahomes says now, laughing. The challenge of Mahomes' childhood was the challenge of the gifted. How best to teach him? Should you even try? Pat tried to build his son's arm strength through an array of baseball drills, beginning with long tosses and moving toward throws from different platforms with both feet parallel or one foot planted the wrong way, hoping to help Patrick find his most powerful release point. Turns out, every release point was powerful. He not only intuitively threw at varying angles, could throw classically or at three-quarters or from his hip, he intuitively saw varying angles and the best way for a ball to reach his target. It turned out to be a perfect storm, Pat says. When Patrick was nearing middle school, he started to play football in the backyard with friends. One day, he threw as hard as he could to his dad. It's a throw Pat still remembers a decade later, not only because of its force, but because it was a declaration of sorts. His son would chart his own path. It felt like the nose of the football went through my hands, Pat says. Mahomes has the type of arm that can lead to assumptions. When he was a kid, he entered a summer football camp wearing a baseball hat turned backward. Adam Cook, the camp's quarterback's coach and later Patrick's head coach at White House High and now one of his best friends, decided to test him. He had heard of Patrick's arm strength and low release point. Coaches tend to see a three-quarter release as the knee-steering of throwing motions, careless and too cool, and thought most kids with that resume were spoiled know-it-alls. Cook approached him and said, Hey, turn your hat around so I can talk to you. Patrick turned around his hat, no questions asked. Although his talent has always meant the game has come easily to him, at heart, He's a conformist who is grounded and eager to work. Dad, I just want to be coached, he would tell Pat. In middle school, he worked with a coach named Reno Moore, who would ask Patrick to lie on the ground next to a football, and when Moore gave the word, jump up and throw to one of three holes on a stand-up net to quicken his release. His pure arm strength was phenomenal, Moore says. He'd make you pull out your hair trying to get him to be exact on his footwork and timing, but finally we just said he's good enough to do some things that are special. At White House High, Adam Cook and his brother Brad, the offensive coordinator, called a lot of quick screens and marveled at how fast the ball came out of Mahomes' hand. Years later, Brad analyzed all of Mahomes' quick screens and found that he released the ball in .58 of a second, compared with .67 for all White House quarterbacks since. Adam Cook's son, Sam, was a ball boy during Mahomes' years, and he idolized Patrick, not just because Patrick went out of his way to make him feel part of the team, or because Patrick would remember teammates' birthdays and ask coaches to announce them at practice, but because he wondered what it was like to have that arm. You watch him make plays and think, maybe I could do something like that, Sam says. But of course, he couldn't. 
Nobody could. God didn't give out many arms like that, Adam Cook says. The arm has given Mahomes the blessing, or curse, of never having to be desperate. All of the future Hall of Fame quarterbacks today have faced a moment in their lives when football could have moved on without them. The closest Mahomes came to that was during an Elite 11 camp in high school. He was tired and raw. He had pitched five innings the day before. He failed to qualify. Cook was angry. Pat Sr. was really angry. Was Patrick angry? Was that his signature scar? A moment? Like Tom Brady's draft slide, or Drew Brees' shoulder entry, or Aaron Rodgers' failure to get a single Division I offer out of high school that becomes lore in retrospect? No. East Texas isn't known for producing quarterbacks, he shrugs. I was never really on the football circuit. I wasn't the type of guy that put my name out there. His arm gave him confidence that it would all work out. During his senior football season in 2013, he threw for 50 touchdowns and ran for 15 more. Baseball chased him, but he was bored with the game and told teams he would play only for a $2.5 million bonus, a figure he later told the Kansas City Star he had invented just to dissuade them. Football gave him a platform, a blank canvas on every play. He loves the daily grind of dissecting and learning about defenses, just having a new challenge every week. In a playoff game against Poteet High, Mahomes spun away from linebacker Malik Jefferson, who now plays for the Bengals, and launched a deep pass down the right sideline for a touchdown. Pat Sr. later called it the most memorable play of his son's career and noted it's the type of play Patrick had made his whole life. Watch Mahomes roll away from the Patriots' rush and launch a 67-yard touchdown to Kareem Hunt, and you know what he means. Cliff Kingsbury sits at the head of a large conference table on an October Thursday. We're in the Texas Tech football building. A framed Mahomes jersey hangs on one wall in his office, and a Mahomes painting leans against another. Few people in America know quarterbacks like the Red Raiders' head coach. He was a star at Texas Tech, studied behind Brady and Breeze in the NFL, and coached Case Keenum and Johnny Manziel in college. NFL coaches shamelessly steal from his playbook. Andy Reid recently told Sports Illustrated he was a genius. He's just being nice, Kingsbury says. He feels grateful to me for making sure Patrick is alive and didn't die in college. He turns on video of Mahomes in college, looking very alive, offering a familiar display of the spectacular. Mahomes rolls right and throws 30 yards like he's skipping a stone. Most humans can't do that, Kingsbury says. Mahomes wings a deep out like he's throwing a frisbee forehanded. The rest of us strain to throw the balls he throws, he says. I never saw him strain, ever. Didn't matter how far downfield. I press Kingsbury for an evolution in Mahomes' release, arguing that it has to have changed. I mean, Brady and Rogers have reinvented their motions, if not themselves, over the years. Kingsbury coached Mahomes to carry the ball higher, but that was it. There was a purity to it, Kingsbury says. In three years in Lubbock, Mahomes never had a bad day throwing. He was never off. So maybe it's no surprise that Mahomes grew bored with Mahomes. 
Maybe that's how it goes when you set an NCAA record with 819 yards of total offense in a single game, or when you routinely launch 85-yard passes in pregame warm-ups. Kingsbury had to be creative to keep coaching him. A few days each week, he would set up nets with three targets and join Mahomes and Tech's backup quarterback Nick Shimanek in a quarterback version of horse. The games got heated and insane, with the quarterbacks bouncing footballs off the goalposts or over the crossbar. Kingsbury ended up winning a lot. He had the best touch. But one day, for kicks, they mixed in left-handed throws. Soon, it became part of the routine. Kingsbury and Shimanek were the only people in America not falling off their couches when Mahomes, running left and with Von Miller at his ankles against the Broncos in Week 4, transferred the ball from his right to left hand and tossed it to Tyreek Hill for a first down. It was practiced, Kingsbury says. He is trying to tell me that there was an evolution. I'm just looking for it in the wrong place. Most quarterbacks go to college to learn how to play in the NFL. Mahomes went to learn how to throw left-handed. At the beginning of each year, Mike Shepard, a former college head coach and assistant under Bill Belichick and Mike Holmgren, drives a short distance from his house in the San Clemente Hills to the Exos facility in Carlsbad to join another coach and friend of his, Bill Cunerty, to prepare quarterbacks for the draft. For six weeks in 2017, Mahomes was a client. Shepard has known Andy Reid since the late 70s, when he saw him at Glendale Community College and brought him to BYU, where Reid ended up meeting his wife, Tammy, and launching his coaching career. One day between the 2017 NFL Combine and the draft, Reid called Shepard to ask about Mahomes. I'm just doing some due diligence, he said. I won't keep you long. Shepard had a binder full of Mahomes' notes. He had listed 11 items as improvements— from snap count to drawing TTU protections to two hands on the ball. But it was revelatory for what it lacked. There was almost nothing in his notes about Mahomes' release. Quarterback coaches love to credit themselves for cleaning up the motions of top prospects during draft season. But Shepard instead told Reed, There are a lot of strong arms, but not as accurate. Reed tried to mask his enthusiasm. How was Patrick to coach? Did he listen? Does the material transfer easily? Shepard had his own theory to gauge a quarterback's intelligence. If a quarterback has great grades, Shepard knows he's a grinder. Patrick was an academic All-American, Big 12 Scholar Athlete of the Year, and a regular on the Dean's and President's lists. He's a good student and hard worker, he said. Calls like this usually last about 15 minutes. This one lasted 45. It took some time to get through the checklist, Reed says now, straight-faced. Andy was excited about him, Shepard says, but he didn't want anyone to know. Mahomes suspected it. Before the draft, Reed interviewed Mahomes in Kansas City. It was a six-hour meeting. We tried to bury him in football minutiae, Reed would say later, he knows better than most that it's possible to produce an outstanding coaching career with good quarterbacks, but almost impossible to win a Super Bowl without a transcendent one. In the end, the fit between them felt right. Despite the draft day groupthink by many other teams, 
Mahomes was too raw. His ungodly statistics in Texas Tech's offense were untrustworthy. Mitch Trubisky was the superior prospect. The Chiefs climbed 17 picks to select him 10th overall. Once Mahomes was a Chief, Reed learned that the strength in his arm didn't come just from his arm. It also came from his wrist. He just kind of flicks it, Reed says. When Patrick was learning how to throw, Pat Sr. always told him to get his wrists involved. Pat wanted his son's fastballs to have the sensation of rising. His wrists just got stronger, he says. But he had no idea that it would come together in moments like it did in the third quarter against the Jaguars in Week 5. Mahomes scooted up in the pocket, but his cleats caught on the turf. He threw with his feet shoulder-width apart, without a wind-up or follow-through, like he threw a dart. The ball hit tight end Travis Kelsey in stride 25 yards downfield, a throw that forces you to wonder, with sincere hyperbolism, if a generational quarterback doesn't stop himself, can he be unstoppable? Mahomes is standing in his locker after the late October Broncos game, pulling on a white sweater. He has only one locker right now, rather than the customary two for superstars. We all need things to strive for. But he looks comfortable and at home around the guys after a win, just like visiting his dad in a big league clubhouse. He threw four touchdown passes, but left plenty of plays on the field, including one when he rolled right and had Hill open on a post running across and away, a throw the Chiefs would have never called for Alex Smith. But Mahomes saw Hill too late. Around the corner is a private party the Chiefs host for friends and family after every home game, and Patrick is in a hurry to see his folks. It all reminds me a little of Tom Brady in 2001, the mystical, embryonic stage of something special. Pat and Randy have the adrenalized exhaustion Tom Sr. and Galen Brady had back then, flying across the country every weekend on a ride they had to soak up because nobody knew when it would end. I might skip Cleveland, Pat Sr. said the night before the Broncos game of the Chiefs' upcoming opponent, before thinking better of it. Nah, I'll go to Cleveland. Nobody knows where Kansas City season will end, but it's well known that for the Chiefs and for Reed over the past two decades, it has ended early. Mahomes is a limitless quarterback, leading a historically limited team. The Chiefs have been careful with him publicly, at once allowing him to be celebrated, but trying to limit the toll, not wanting the hype to short-circuit what could be their year. Right now, at least, Mahomes is immune to the doubt that creeps into teams that always come up short. That even crept into Elway in the years after he learned a wondrous arm alone gets a team only so far. Fear is his biggest enemy. In the Kansas City offices, I ask Mahomes whether there's some highlight he goes back to when he needs a lift. I never really watch anything that helps me get a confidence boost, he says. I pretty much just keep it moving and keep it rolling. I feel like even if something goes wrong, I have confidence in myself and my team that we'll fix it. Our team thing is, let's roll. Whatever happens, I'll bounce back. Imagine living that way. Perpetually liberated. Maybe someday later in his career, Mahomes will have to try to recapture that feeling when some inevitability of the NFL sets in. Or maybe not. Maybe a rare arm allows for an even rarer mind. In the fourth quarter against the Broncos, the Chiefs were up 10, but Denver was slowly creeping back into the game. 
Mahomes started to scramble, but threw to Kelsey high and hard and into the arms of Broncos safety Justin Simmons. Mahomes headed to the bench, irritated, but not crushed. Four plays later, the Chiefs forced a Keenum fumble, and Mahomes leapt off the bench, hugged a few defensive players, and yelled, Thanks for picking me up! Then he snatched the ball from them and started warming up. His release fluid and clean and on point. All that is required of him and all that he has ever required of himself. Mahomes never told me what it feels like to make extraordinary throws, only that those throws don't feel extraordinary to him. That's the gap between him and 99% of the men and boys who will drop back into a pocket this fall. But the 99% can have a taste. In mid-October, Sam Cook made a throw he'll remember for the rest of his life. The ball boy is now a freshman team quarterback at White House High, playing on the same field his hero did, and in a game against Jacksonville, he danced left and saw a receiver running to the right. It's the throw, late and over the middle, quarterbacks are told never to try. But Sam couldn't resist the chance. Not just to hit a pass, but to hit a Mahomes pass with all its danger and glory. He threw like Patrick, a quick three-quarter release, and hit his man for a big gain as the crowd exploded. A current shot through him like lightning. Nothing like that feeling, Sam told me later, still buzzing. Does Mahomes know that feeling? Or is he unaffected by the rush? He had to leave the office of the chief's facility before I could ask. But my bet is that he knows, and that the game for him now is to never stop to think about it. Joining me now is ESPN senior writer Seth Wickersham. Seth, thank you for making the time again. Good to see you, man. So it is, it's interesting that you dove into the story because watching the NFL so far this season, it's just amazing what Patrick Mahomes can do. Like it does seem at times when he's about to throw it, and then he does. It's like, okay, that's like a Madden glitch. It's absolutely that way. And, you know, what he's doing is so hyperbolic that when I was writing about him, what I decided to do was try to strip him down to essence as best as I could. And that's literally trying to find out as much as I could about how he throws Mm -hmm. and what it feels like to have an arm like that. Because... You know, I think I wrote in the story, but it's like there's only a handful of gener- of arms like that each generation. Right. You know, you can be a good quarterback in the NFL without an arm like that, but you'll never fully make up the difference. And if you have an arm like that and you waste it, you'll be a 30 for 30. <laughs> right. But if you have an arm like that and you don't waste it and you happen to combine it with, you know, an academic all-American's mind and a great work ethic, that's kind of what I wanted to get at with Patrick. And the other thing that's so interesting, the reason I say it's like a Madden glitch, like it's impossible, is when you look at him, I mean, physically, I mean, it's not like he's like the Zion Williamson of football out there. He's like this ripped dude like with like this graceful athlete, the strength of Hercules. Like he just seems like a normal guy, but then he cocks his arm back and then like, what just happened? It's one of the weird things is that like a lot of the big arms in terms of quarterbacking often aren't actually big arms. Mm-hmm. Like I remember... Elway used to like – I think there was an article in Sports Illustrated once where he um, – they had him pose with his shirt off mm-hmm. and had him lift his arm and sort of flex his arm. And they actually ended up not running the photo <laughs> because it would have like broken too many kids' hearts because the arm was so unimpressive. 
But then at the same time, I also remember read stories about after practice, guys would take off their shirts that work with Elway, and they had all these X's yeah. on their chest that were bruises from where the football hit them. Absolutely. And so with Patrick, I mean, when they played the Broncos a couple weeks ago at Arrowhead, I was standing just feet from him when he was warming up. And it's just amazing to watch how effortlessly he throws the ball. It's not a violent motion, and there's no strain. And he was like checking his phone as he was warming <laughs> up. I mean, I've never seen that before where a quarterback checks his phone like that out on the field during warmups, but he, um, he would just throw and then he'd kind of motion for whoever was catching passes to back up. And they kept backing up and backing up and backing up until it was like 60, 65 yards in the air. And he threw it again without strain. So again, with this story, I think I just want to know what is it like to possess a weapon like that? And so in some of the, the history that you brought up with his father, you know, who played baseball, like trying to, you know, Make him uncomfortable to find an angle that like, okay, like that's not going to work. So I should do it like this. And then you talk about some of his coaches annoyed by his footwork, but then almost more annoyed, maybe jealous because they're like, okay, his footwork there was terrible, but he still made the perfect throw. So I guess as he gets more into like the professional career, like even though you point out that he once said like, I just want to be coached, but then how do you teach someone that doesn't need to be taught? Yeah, that's the thing that's interesting is that like you as journalists, we're always looking for the evolution of something. Mm -hmm. And with him, there's no evolution. Literally, since he's been throwing, he's possessed a strong arm. And so when you talk to him about what it, the, what the, the act of, of throwing is like for him, it's so innate that he almost can't describe it. This is just the way that he goes through life is being able to throw things long and well. And there's very few people who are like that. Like I was when, – when we were at the Broncos game, I was standing with John Elway. We were watching Patrick throw. Of course, Elway is one of the people who knows what it's like to right. possess an arm like that. So I asked Elway. I was like, so when your arm was strongest, like what was it like to throw? And it reminded me a little bit of that scene in Goodwill Hunting where uh, Mini Driver asked Matt Damon, do you have a photographic memory? And he kind of – tries to describe this thing and says, well, I could always just play. Yeah. And that was what it was like. I mean, they don't know another way through life other than being able to th fit footballs into windows that normal people can't do. And it's it's interesting. It's almost, in a way, well, anyone's ever thrown a football would be jealous. In a way, you almost feel badly that because this has been with you since the as long as you can remember, you have no idea how to appreciate it because it's just so nothing to you. No idea how to appreciate it and almost no idea how to evaluate it right. because Patrick Mahomes is a very boring person to talk to about the art of quarterbacking. If you ask Tom Brady, I asked, I asked Patrick Mahomes, do you ever think about throwing? And if you ask that of Tom Brady, of Aaron Rodgers, of Drew Brees, they can start talking for days. Yeah. I mean, that's all they think about. Right. And for someone like – Patrick, when he's in the sort of embryonic stage of his NFL career where he doesn't have to think about that stuff. He's still just going out and reacting and doing the things that he's basically done his entire 23 years on earth. It's a really fascinating moment because, again, so many of these other players, they've remade their throwing motions, if not remade themselves right. as quarterbacks. And here he is completely dominating the NFL this season 
and doing so based on this ability that he's always possessed. Yeah, and is like it's you know often when someone gets in trouble, their plan B ends up like in the not top ten, and his plan B ends up actually in the top ten, like yeah. on Sports Center. Yeah, and as you bring up, he's also earlier. He's also very intelligent, and it's clearly something the Chiefs no doubt found out when they brought him in. And just by the length of time you mentioned they spoke, they were clearly like, wait a minute, let's try to find something wrong with this guy. Yeah, they they during the draft process, they brought him to a hotel in Kansas City and they sat down with him for six hours. And Andy Reid said, we tried to bury him in, you know, football minutia and he survived. And it's interesting because, you know, he is not his arm is obviously his primary weapon, but it's not his only one. Mm -hmm. And. You know, there are times when his arm even lets him down. I mean, you, you go back to the Patriots game. He made correct reads and just missed the throws. And that was at the end of the, in the day, it was kind of the difference in the game is some of the missed throws he had in the first half. And so, um, you know, he's an incredibly quick thinker. There's no question about that. And when he was wor- preparing for the draft, he was working with a quarterback coach named Mike, named Mike Shepard, who used to be an assistant under Bill Belichick and Mike Holmgren. And he had sort of developed his own little, methodology to determining um, a quarterback's work ethic. And that was that, you know, if they have good grades, you probably know that they're going to work hard. If they just have high test scores, it's not as reliable as, as good grades. And of course, Patrick not only had good grades, he had outstanding grades in college. You mentioned, um, you know, the, the other quarterbacks who can talk for days and how Mahomes is kind of boring when talking about being a QB. He's like, I just step back, I throw it. Does he have a lot of – is he more interesting to talk to outside of that? Like, does he have other interests or does he keep that close to the vest? I mean someone who's that intelligent tends to almost by default have many other interests. Yeah, I I think he does. But you know, he – when I sat down with him, he looked exhausted. Not in the sense that he was going to fall asleep during our conversation, although maybe he would. <laughs> but it was that – he looked existentially exhausted from his life changing forever mm-hmm. the past two months. Right. <laughs> and, you know, I think that he's just to a certain extent, he's on autopilot right now. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. he's he's very polite. He's doing the very best he can. But I think that, like, they just want to get through the season as best they can without the hype destroying what they've built. Right. Then I think in the offseason, you'll probably see him let out his personality a little bit more. And is that... um I mean, is is he has this new life as you talk about you, in, in the beginning as, of the story as well? As uh, like, how important is his support network, and what kind of support network does he have there in Kansas City? Well, he has his girlfriend who lives there. His parents come up for every game, but you know, football players, their support network is within the facility. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, I don't know if it's the if fame has gotten to him. I don't think it's that. Hey, he can't go out anywhere on the plaza anymore. It's just that, you know, I think we often, we mean well, but we don't often understand or appreciate just how dramatic the crush of attention can be on these young, on these young men. I mean, has he experienced uh, any backlash from the fans? I mean, like by God, as you point out, can this kid just order his ketchup in peace? (laughs) Well, that was almost like more of his, you know, he's almost like in his own head with that. But yeah, he loves ketchup. Like he used to get ketchup for his, for birthday, for his birthday, because <laughs> he put it on everything. And he sort of stopped ordering ketchup out. And, you know, so his mom like would order it and slip it to him. And, you know, so look, in the list of indignities due to fame, that's pretty, 
pretty low on the list, but yeah. still, it's a slight change. And um, and you go back to you know when you talked about watching him with Elway, and is he becoming like like the new pregame Marvel, like like this like the Steph Curry shots and the once upon a time the LeBron's pregame dunks. Yeah, you know, it's not quite there yet because I don't think that he puts on quite a showcase, but it, you know, even the opposing coaches end up watching him a little bit, but it, I don't think it's quite like Odell or Mark McGuire in 1998 or mm-hmm. Steph, but it still is interesting to see this marvel. This guy just throw the ball. If you've ever stood on a field during warmups and you, you know, the, the punters are obviously punting and they can mm-hmm. really nail it 50, 60 yards, that's what it looks like he's doing, only he's throwing. How far, I mean, honestly, how far can he throw? Like, if he had to wind back with a Hail Mary, how far do you think he could really throw it? I don't know. You know, there's a video that says that before the Monday night game in Denver, he threw it essentially 100 yards. I have a really hard time believing that. In college, he looked like he had a couple that were like 85. Um, so I have no idea how far he can actually throw a football. But I think that, again, it's that it's it's effortless with him. It doesn't take a lot. And um, I didn't put this in the story, but his college coach, Cliff Kingsbury, was marveling at when Patrick had his pro day. Mm-hmm. He threw – you know, they, they they put in a Hail Mary into his list of throws that he was going to make just to show off his arm. Mm-hmm. So he launches this Hail Mary and, you know, it's a rare thing. You don't see that that – you know, most quarterbacks don't practice Hail Marys in their pro days. Right. And what Cliff marveled about was that it, he threw a duck. <laughs> It wasn't even a good spiral, and it still just went that you know seventy some yards in the air. Right, and he also most quarterbacks, as you point out, the story don't practice throwing with their opposite hand. No, and you know that was obviously like an iconic play from this season, and you know he used to practice that. When when you're that gifted, you get bored, and the challenge for coaches is to keep him engaged. And so when he was in college, they had to figure out creative drills with the other quarterbacks to, you know, make sure he stayed interested. And one of them was throwing left-handed sort of through the crossbars off one of the goalposts into this net, you know, all these different things. But, you know, his head coach and his backup at the time at Texas tech were the only people not falling off of their couches when he switched hands with Von Miller at his ankles and threw right. left-handed on Monday night football. Or is, do you find it or his teammates as much as awe of him, an awe of him as the rest of us, but they try to they try to like keep it down though. No, they don't. You know, it's one <laughs> of the weird things is that like obviously Andy Reid's been through a lot in his career, right? You know, and he's done about what you can do with Pro Bowl level quarterbacks, but not a transcendent one. And you know, they don't. There's no sort of New Englandish on to the next game. We you know we're only as good as our last throw type of mentality. I mean, there's a there's a swagger to that team. It reminds me a little bit of being around, you know, the Rams back in the day Greatest with Kurt Warner. Yeah, you know, they just sort of like there's a there's a sense that like it's just a matter of when not if with them and they know that Patrick's in the middle of it. I mean, they you know, they have a group of players that can you know, there's always that line: make the make the defense defend every blade of grass, and they can do that with him because he can make throws that only a handful of quarterbacks in the history of the NFL can make. And with that swagger, though, it's like you know, it's we. I you always mention like winning heals a lot of wounds, like a lot of personalities aren't as obnoxious when everyone's winning. 
Is this also, and uh, you know, I think about this also with the with the Jared Goff situation, and then obviously eventually with Chicago. Are we in that point at the NFL though, where you've got to get that rookie quarterback and you've got to win with him on his rookie deal, or else you're not going to be able to afford to win later on? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, Patrick's just the, at the beginning of his career. You see, like you know, we're so hungry, and teams are so hungry to have their guy mm-hmm. and to crown a quarterback that, you know, what you have are these situations. Like who would have guessed that a couple of years ago that the way that Dak Prescott was playing, that we'd be right. now talking about, well, should they even sign him to an extension? Yes. And, you know, I think the the most damaging situation you can be in in the NFL is to essentially have a B-plus quarterback making franchise quarterback money because mm-hmm. you look at like – um, I don't want to pick on him, but like, look at like Matt Ryan, right? Where you know he's obviously getting paid like a future Hall of Famer, but he needs that team around him more than the actual future Hall of Famers do, right? And so that's a long way of saying I don't know <laughs> right. how Patrick's going to end up being or how Jared's going to end up being, but like you definitely, it's so hard to find that guy that if you find one that's good enough and you have them under that discounted rate. You know, yeah, you should be spending. And like, obviously the Chiefs aren't doing what the Rams are doing. I mean, the Rams are building and collecting players as, you know, up until the trade deadline, you know, and, sure. um, I think Seattle sort of started that model a while oh, ago. Yeah. And then after that, teams are like, this makes a ton of sense. But then also the same, your point about Seattle and then you, but then all of a sudden you've got, oh shoot, now we got to pay Russell Wilson. And then after that point, you've got, this offensive lineman or this linebacker suddenly we got the second tier of them. And if that's a difference between four wins in a season, like that's the difference between a lot of teams going to the playoffs and not totally. And even Denver, when they won the Super Bowl, um, a couple of years ago, were essentially that same model. Mm-hmm. Peyton Manning was just playing on a severely discounted deal. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, yeah, I mean, look, it's a small window. I mean, I was watching the, the Seahawks and the Rams, the other day, just a fantastic game. And I mean, Seahawks are just playing their tails off for Pete Carroll. I mean, yeah. but they came up short. And you look at the Rams and you see what the Seahawks were exactly only yeah. a couple years ago. It's so quick. And it's like, yeah, I mean, and now what you've got in Seattle is a bunch of players on defense you don't know. <laughs> yeah. And you've got Russell Wilson dropping back and scrambling for his life <laughs> against these top defensive fronts. And you also mentioned, you talked to Mahomes about how if something goes wrong, like like the throws you mentioned in New England, and that he can fix it, and he understands, like, yeah, like I have faith in my team. Like, we're like, oh, that was wrong. Let's just fix it. No big deal. Um, but is there a potential lack of balance there? And what I mean is uh, if you keep doing something ungodly to the point that ungodly becomes routine, not only, as we mentioned before, are you – aware of what you're doing enough to enjoy it. But um, is there a way to find a way to keep doing it? Well, that'll be the question, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, he's, you know, I did ask him, I was like, look, is there a piece of film you refer to when you need a little bit of a confidence boost? And, you know, he looked at me like I had three eyes. I mean, (laughs) it never occurred to him to do that. And I mean, even like the greats, I remember Tom Brady once told me that he got a text message after a playoff loss from Kurt Warner saying, 
being the best doesn't mean you win every game. It just means you win most of the time. Or I'm sorry, it means you win more than everybody else. Uh-huh. And, you know, that was something he needed right there. You know, I think that sure. it, it helped him a little bit at that particular moment in his career. And, you know, the NFL is the great equalizer. I mean, they are. it's designed to bring people back down to the ground. And if and when that happens to Patrick, it'll be really interesting. When you wrapped it up, you made a great point when you basically said like with his mind and his arm, like what's happening to him and what's coming is something that he has the luxury of really not having to think about. Now, part of that, it would say, is by not playing at, you know, playing, he's doing very well in college, but not necessarily playing at, you know, a Clemson or Alabama, like where you, or USC quarterback factory, where you are scrutinized to the nth degree. Has he really faced any adversity yet, do you, would you say? Like, it's hard to say. You know, it's like, it's one of the things that you look at Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers. I mean, those guys are, of all the quarterbacks playing right now, those are the ones that you know are going to the Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. first ballot. And, you know, at one point in their lives, football could have moved on without them. Yes. And you look at Patrick, it was never really that case with him. I mean, when he was four years old, he's playing T-ball. He was traded for two players, (laughs) four years old. What in the world is up with Texas sports? But like, I mean, but you know, when he was in high school, he tried out for the Elite 11. And remember the Elite 11 people, you have all these quarterback gurus. And they say if you're not humming by the time you're a junior, you're pretty much a lost cause. So here he is. He doesn't even qualify. Yeah. And I was wondering if like that broke him, you know, were you broken then? And he just – he kind of shrugged it off. He's like, yeah, I wasn't really like too involved in the quarterback circuit. You know, he's just – his his skill set has allowed him this sort of eerie confidence that is as rare as his arm. And I think that like – the most fascinating thing going forward is going to be how often those two things stay on parallel tracks. And how, and you know, this team is obviously going to the playoffs, and that will probably be the real first test for him. Yeah, and I mean, you know, you don't know if they're going to have home field advantage. You don't know who they're going to play, but I mean, you know, you've got New England who's faced him once, and you know, did a decent job of containing him until they didn't. <laughs> And, you know, maybe you've got Houston coming up in the playoffs. That's a pretty good defense. You've got Tennessee maybe making the playoffs. That's a pretty good defense. They haven't even, you know, San Diego in their own division. That is, or I'm sorry, Los Angeles. It still takes time. Yeah. <laughs> they, and, you know, I'm not alone in that. No, you're not. Judging by the, how many of their fans show up for games. But, um, <laughs> they're, they're still down there. Like, where's the game? Yeah. Well, yeah, right? exactly. But, like, you know, they've got, some tough defense. He's got some tough defenses he'll have to face, and there's going to be more footage on him entering the playoffs than there is now. In the same sense, though, they're just a scary team. They have un- they just have unbelievable speed. And with that balance, I mean, with the confidence, though, uh, did you also get a sense of besides the confidence, there's patience. Like if it turns out that he suddenly does need to lean in a little bit more and rely, yes, on his brain and on his a little bit more than his arm as he figures things out is that present in him where, you know, once he is tested, if should he fail his test? Well, we'll see. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think that like when you have quarterbacks who have strong arms, they often can get away with more than the guys who don't. And so often their timing isn't quite as good or, 
you know, they are used to being able to do things based on raw ability that quarterbacks who think or react quicker um, are able to do with a lesser arm. I mean, I think Patrick is a pretty quick thinker. You know, he, he hasn't even started 16 games. I mean, there's, he hasn't been exposed to, exposed to too much yet. And, you know, he reads defenses phenomenally well for where he is in his career, but he still hasn't even played a year yet. How do you think, though, as we – what we see and what we experience, how do you think, though, and even with the Elite 11 or, you know, going back to high school, how could an arm like that sort of be kept under wraps? Like in this in this world where, like, you know, when basketball mm-hmm. and, 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 and football, like there are publications out there, Seth, that like here are the top seventh graders. Yeah. I mean, this is crazy. Like it seems that having someone be a hidden gem like that is – with what we're talking about, like that sort of skill set, it seems almost impossible. It does, but you know, football just can't cannot, it cannot get out of its own way when it comes to evaluating quarterbacks. I mean, it just can't. And the NFL is still a developmental league. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, those guys are not the same player that they were when they entered the league. Yeah. And so, you know, it's the biggest mystery is like, why did the Bears? think Trubisky was the superior prospect mm-hmm. to Patrick Mahomes. Why did John Elway, who's sitting there watching Patrick Mahomes throw, kind of like a younger version of Elway himself, mm-hmm. not realize what was there and yeah. pick him you know, and, and try to make a move to get himself? It's one of those things that I just don't think will ever be explained, but I think that like you know, at the end of the day, it's like we we do what we can to try to break down quarterbacks like a technician would break down an engine mm-hmm. when, in fact, the sort of human spirit is a much bigger deal than we ever make it out to be or want to admit and we can't predict for it. Right. It, it seems to the point that it seems that if you are willing to run the circuit and put your brand out there in, in today's day and age where everything's a brand, every person's a brand – it seems that the people who are willing to brand themselves the most and like, oh, I'll go on your show and your show and I'll talk this and I'll be really personable about it. It seems that that actually in that little period of time where everyone's making decisions means more than what someone can actually physically do. Totally. And I mean, again, but with Patrick, it's weird because he could physically do so many things. And I think that maybe Pat people just saw him as nothing more than having this great arm and didn't want to trust Texas Tech's, you know, offensive production. But he landed in a perfect situation because you look at some of these players who, you know, Alex Smith comes to mind, but he had, I think, five coordinators in his first five years. Sure. You know, you need stability. You just mm-hmm. – you look at Baker Mayfield. He's already going to be a year behind because next year he'll have a whole new offensive coordinator. He'll be learning whole new things, a whole new language. And Patrick went to a safe destination. Yeah. You know, he got to sit for a year and he's working with one of the most innovative coaches of the past 20 years who's not going anywhere that we're aware of. And you mentioned Matt Ryan, how Matt Ryan's career seems to ebb and flow with the consistency of his coordinators. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, you look at what Kyle Shanahan is doing in San Francisco and you look at what Kyle Shanahan did in Matt Ryan with Matt Ryan, what they were able to do together. It's just obvious that coaching matters. Yes. Well, uh, like you said, we'll see if this – he already has uh, – Patrick Mahomes already has some of his uniforms in his young career in Canton. 
and we'll see if he can keep going and end up with a jacket of his own up there. All right, man. Seth, thank you again. Thank you. Remember to subscribe to Double Truck Stories Podcast on the ESPN app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks again, and we'll be back soon with more Double Truck Stories Podcasts.